So we find ourselves in grace, week five. And as we dive in today, um, it was funny, I was just texting with my oldest son literally uh, moments ago. He was talking trash at me. He's away at college and he's like, you know, in just a couple weeks, I'm going to be throwing you around. And he sent me a picture of like some WWF wrestler, like helicopter and somebody. And we're talking smack to each other. And I was teasing him for dreaming while he texted. And, you know, just, just fun father-son things. And uh, it was just kind of funny because I said, you might want to be careful, Bubba. You're my opening story this week in church. His literal response was, oh, poo, which one? So <laughs> there's, a, there's a power dynamic in this. But um, when, when Josh was a very little boy, uh, little, little guy, I would say maybe three, four age, uh, he would constantly um, come up asking for snacks. I mean, clearly. It's my boy, right? So he's like, can I have this? Can I have that? And he always wanted something, and he, you know, as any child would. He wanted sweet stuff and all, you know, just kind of more junk processed food. And, and so he'd come up all the time asking. And I remember when Erica, because uh, she, I mean, she just has this instinct. It's so good. She's like, here's your rule, buddy. You can have all the, and so instead of telling him no all the time, she said you can have all the water from the fridge, which was like gold. If he could go get his own cup of water, he thought that was like so big stuff. And uh, you can go, you can get water from the fridge anytime. And you can have any fruit or vegetable and you don't have to ask. That dude became an herbivore. I have not seen so many carrots, apples, the little halos, like he was eating everything. I, his body was like, what an amazing gift of greenery this is, because he was free. He could actually just take time and do what he wanted with that. He had boundaries. He was given freedom, not no, yes, no, maybe. He was given freedom. You make the choice within these boundaries. And in doing that, he became, uh, it was just really cute. Like, I came home one day, he's like, I had five tangerines. I'm like, are you okay? Like, are you fighting a cold? Why do we do this? He just loved it. He loved the freedom of doing that. Instead of rules, he was given freedom. When we talk about grace, especially in chapter five of Galatians, what we want to do is understand and remember that this church in Galatia had fallen away from grace and re-embraced rules. And rules are dangerous because the reality of them is... Um, is this, this desire we have to have measurable things. We want to know if this is right or wrong, right? We want to be able to measure things. But in faith, there is grace. And when you're leaning on the law rather than Christ, you are going to fall back into a pattern of sin and brokenness because the law is all about things you cannot do. The law is all about a bunch of restrictions. Don't do this, don't do that, you know, do these things. It's, it's a lot of like, well, it's just what you can't do. It gives you your guidelines. When you see the speed limit sign, you know what you can't do, right? You can't do those things, you can't go beyond that. And the rules point towards what you can't do, and it only makes you focus on those things. Do me a favor, don't think of a zebra. Right? All of a sudden, the little zebra is just like, hey, 
How's it going? Peeked right into your mind, didn't he? Or if I'm like, don't think of a kangaroo. All of a sudden, a little short-armed kangaroo, hey, Joey, looks right at you in your own mind. You're like, why? You said not to, and then I did, right? Don't think of a taco. I always think of tacos. But the reality is like when you say don't, our desire is to do that. And we have to understand that these people wanted to go back to the physical sign of faith, the circumcision, the mark on every Hebrew male. They, they wanted to go back to something like that and be back under the do's and do nots. Paul told them the sign of the new covenant was the Holy Spirit being in them. Paul told them that. He said, look, the Holy Spirit is the new sign. It's not something you can have on your physical body, but it will change your entire life. It will change the entirety of you. So instead, this chapter, chapter five in Galatians, focuses on our freedom to love our neighbor, to not walk by a physical sign, the do's and don'ts, but to walk by faith and not by sight. Galatians, chapter five, 22 to 25. But the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So since we live with the Spirit of God in us, let us keep step with it. So what does that mean? What does it mean to keep step with the Spirit? I'm, I'm, I've said this before, I don't have a green thumb. I'm not good at growing things. Like I think my thumbs are like named round and up. I just kill green things, it's terrible. I try and I, I like plants. Um, not as much as I like meat, but that's another different story. But, you know, I, I would like to be able to grow things, but I'm just not, it's just not something I'm passionate about, probably don't pay enough attention to it. But here's the thing. Trees produce fruit. I know this to be true, right? Go to Crane's Orchard, and I have an expectation of very fruitful apple trees, right? And you go pick apples there. When they are healthy, it's a natural occurrence. It's a natural occurrence for a tree to produce fruit, it happens every year, and trees do this. They don't waste time. Trees aren't sitting there in small little conclaves or groves, if you would. They're not sitting there having a meeting among trees and like, what if we grow rocks instead of fruit? Is anybody worried about that? Anybody have anxiety that you're gonna grow a rock? You know, in that one weird little tree off in the corner? I am okay, fine, you know. Like, they don't do that. They're not sitting there and be like, you know, I've just... I saw a kid playing with a Hot Wheels car near me and I'm just worried I'm gonna grow a toy car. No, they don't do that. They, they don't do that. They don't sit there. What, no trees like this. What if I grow broccoli? Oh my word, everyone will hate me. And the other one next to it, ah! What if it's cauliflower, right? Like they, they don't do that, that's weird. We don't, you don't see a little grouping of trees having a, a conversation or worrying about what they're gonna do. They actually just naturally grow in accord, the fruit in accordance with how God designed them. They grow the fruit according to the nature God put into them. According to the nature God put into them. When we live by faith in the Spirit of God, we begin to produce what Paul said in Galatians 5.22. Now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against these things, there is no law. You're going to grow them out of you naturally. You don't have to sit there and be like, check this out, Apple, and like try to grow. And weird, man, that doesn't work. You got it. We have to look at this and understand that we will naturally begin to produce this fruit because of the nature God put into us, which is the spirit of Christ. So we begin to bear the fruits of a Christian life, fruits of the spirit of God. You know, it's interesting because in tough years, trees still produce their fruit. And um, I was researching some stuff on, on different fruit trees. And that, you know, they, they measure trees by their rings, right? And there'll be a thin ring. And they're like, that was a, a drought year. It was just tough. And, you know, there wasn't as much water. But in, that, in those drought years, they still produce. May not be as much. The fruit might even be just a little less, I don't know, maybe succulent or something. There's different things that can happen. But the fruit's still there because they're rooted into the ground. And here's the reality of it. You can look at the growth rings of a tree and see the good and bad years, but year in and year out, there's a natural harvest that comes from those trees because of the nature that God put into them. The rings tell us a story, but there's always fruit year after year, regardless of the good or bad. The fruit is there. Let me show you the difference. Have you ever woken up tired? Like, have you ever, I mean... Matt's, like seriously, Matt's like, I wake up tired every day. I've got like a tiny little baby, little Kenna living in my house. Matt used to be so chipper at work, and now he's a dad. And it's hard, right? Like you, you just, I mean, how many times I like woke up and I'm like feeding one of the kids and like the bottle thing, little nipples in their eye. I don't know if you can say that. But it's like sitting there and there's like milk on their face. I'm like, oh, it's going to have a sty, you know. You're so tired. Have you ever woken up and you're just wiped out and you're like, there's no way. I am at the end of my rope. I can't do this. Oh, I mean, there have been days where you just, you open your eyes and you're like, oh no, that happened. You just don't know how you're going to get through it. You just don't know. You're exhausted. Now take that same day and kind of lean into it like this. What if you don't even use your rope? You don't have a rope to get to the end of. What if your nature, what happens if you wake up dependent on God? It doesn't mean you're not tired. It doesn't mean you're not spent. It doesn't mean you're not dealing with difficult things. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that within it, there is peace and there's fruitfulness and there's the capacity to trust God in getting into gear and getting into motion. One of the things um, I would encourage is asking the question, what if, you know, instead of what if you don't use your rope where you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm already at the end of my rope. What if, you, what if you allow God to change your nature? What if you allow God to graft into you something that is very fruitful? I've talked about this, I think, a number of years ago. But uh, there's actually trees called fruit cocktail trees. They take a healthy branch off an apple and a pear and a peach tree and the different trees, and they graft them into other trees. 
and there'll be a tree out in the middle of the forest looking crazy as the day is long. He's got apples and pears and cherries and peaches because that fruit has been grafted into a different tree. That tree may have been, I don't know, a maple or something like that or an apple tree. I don't know, how, I don't know if it has to be a fruit tree, but I do know this. Once grafted in, they continue producing the fruit. The Holy Spirit is grafted into us. It, it literally, we begin producing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Within you, you don't have the capacity to do this. But you can have the Spirit of God. And the fruits of the Spirit will grow out of you like that fruit cocktail tree. It'll be fruit coming out of your life because your source is the Spirit of God. You know, in applying this to you and I, we need to understand that it's time for us to start working for the taskmaster who lives between our ears, in our own mind. He fills our minds with the do do nots, don't do this, don't do that, and gets us kind of wound up and nervous and constantly, you know, focused on what we shouldn't do and missing the purpose of what we're called to do. You know, it it says, you know, the, the taskmaster says, you need to put this physical mark on you. For the, for the Galatians, it would have been um, circumcision. You know, for some other people, it may be like, you can only go to church on Sundays. I don't know, Monday night seems to disagree, and I think Saturday's got a good case too. I don't think it's so much the day as it is, you know, like getting to church and being a part of the family of God, being in the word of God on your own. But we'll look for the taskmaster in our head will say, do this, do this, do this one thing and prove to everybody you're patient. Don't freak out at people, you know, over, I don't know, election stuff right now. Everybody's like, wow, they're really patient. But inside you're a roaring volcano, but you're doing things to look good. The taskmaster in your head says, you know, don't, don't, don't get mad. Don't look unpatient. And so you don't, even though you're deeply impatient and very angry. The taskmaster in your head may say, um, you know, oh, make sure you smile and wave, hey, how are you? And when they walk away, just think, oh, man, I would love to just, oh. Like, and you look loving, but inside there's something else going on, and it's a lot more sinister. You would never let the world see that because the taskmaster, right, in your head says, look a certain way. The Spirit of God says, become something different. Become something different. You're not putting on a facade. You're becoming something different. The taskmaster is cruel. It leaves us weary and exhausted. We wake up at the end of our rope wondering how we're gonna do it all. And that's the problem. It was never up to us. That's not walking by faith. That's not walking by the Spirit. In Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30, one of my very favorite scriptures, we're gonna read it in a little bit, talks about what it is to walk with Jesus Christ, to know him, to spend time with him, and to be in relationship with him. Who we walk with, who we walk with decides what kind of harvest we will produce. So if you walk with the legal system of morality, you are going to walk around with a harvest of judgment, of kind of superiority, of downward gazing at, you know, those people. It happens all the time. That's the harvest you'll produce. You'll produce malice. You'll produce greed and envy, hatefulness, immorality. That's the harvest you produce when you walk around with a morality, with a moral like a moral code, a set of rules. You walk around imposing it on people. And that's the harvest you produce. But when we walk with Jesus Christ, it's different 
The taskmaster in our heads, pleasing people, looking the part, will begin to crumble when we walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we walk with Jesus Christ, we really begin to realize two different things, two very distinct things. The first thing is, you can't do it. You're not good enough, and you don't have the capacity to do it. You, like the mom in that video, cannot get it all done. And you're going to disappoint people and frustrate people, and you're just not enough. Welcome to church, right? But the reality is that's actually good news. It's really good news when we look at ourselves and realize I in myself don't have the capacity. I'm not enough. I can't do it. In reality, I can't get it all. I can't hold up the code. I can't do all that I'm supposed to do to be the person or appear to be the person. That's one thing you realize. But the second thing is you realize that Christ is enough. Jesus is enough. He... He takes you to a different place, a place that isn't bound by moral code. It's bound into a new life from relying on your own strength to show off your own fake perfection. He takes you from that into a life of relying on him and living the life that he intended. Your author, the one who formed you in your mother's womb, has an intention for your life, a purpose for your life. And when you begin living, knowing that he is enough and you are not, you begin living into the intended purpose of your life, the purpose given to you by the one who formed you. It's a really hopeful reality. He gave you his word. He gave you his spirit. That is enough. You are actually equipped to be enough in Christ. He has equipped you. You may be sitting there and thinking like, Eric, there is no way that I'm equipped. There is no way that I will ever, ever be equipped. And I would say that is a lie and it is actually an assault against God's character. Because God says you are. And if you disagree, you're in effect calling him a liar. You are equipped. You are able. The question is, will you give to him the life you live in order for that to come to pass? That the equipping and the gifts he gave you is exactly for the purposes he intended. I, I think the question for you and I is, is more of a, it's actually a declaration. You have the Holy Spirit. It is evidenced in your life by the fruits of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are, those are the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that you have the Holy Spirit. And having him, you will naturally begin to grow these things. They will come out of your life unexpectedly, generously, and abundantly, and you will, in season, live a fruitful life. The world around you will notice it. So we know in Galatians 5, it tells us about the fruits of the Spirit, and we've been crucified with Christ in order that we can live in the Spirit, right? So we have his Spirit. We have his Word, in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So you have his word. You have his spirit. You have his word. And now you have the, the equipping, the, the, like the stuff God puts on you that allows you to do it. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork. He equipped you. He put you together. He knows 
what you, he knows you. He knows the equipment you carry. You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So there is a doing of good things because you are equipped for it. You are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. What does that tell you? It tells you that God has a plan, and he had it before he even formed you. His plan for you is knit into you. You're equipped. You have his spirit, you have his word, and you have the equipment of God in your life to do what he desires. You can live a life pleasing to God and deeply peaceful and satisfying to you regardless of your circumstances because of these three things. Go back with me to that little boy who was getting another cup of refrigerator water and a bag of carrots and stumbling off. I mean, he's so so cute. I miss it so much. Like, you know, just chunky little Josh just waddling off with his, his veggies and his water. He was free. He was so happy. He was so happy. Why? Because he had freedom. He wasn't being told, no, 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 no. He was being told, you may do that. Here's your boundaries, and he lived into it, and he loved it. He had a great time with it. I love the freedom that I saw in him, and it's why I think I want to I want to share that with you because in that freedom that I just I remember it so clearly. He didn't want more rules. We didn't want to enforce more rules. There were plenty as it was. We wanted to give him freedom. Right? And yes, many grapes, tangerines, apples, carrots. I think he tried cucumbers and was like, no. But here's the thing. They all suffered because he could have and he took and had. There was tremendous freedom. To walk around in freedom is wonderful. Matthew 11, 28 to 30, as transliterated by Eugene Peterson in the message. Are you tired? worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Remember how we talked about those trees? Please don't grow a rock, right? There's an unforced natural production of fruit in walking with Jesus. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Can I invite you to something? Stop focusing on what you can't do. Stop focusing on it. It's, it's hard when we feel like we can't do something or when we feel like we're not equipped to do something, we physically can't do something that we wish we could. There is a frustration in that, and it's real. But we also have to believe that God has a purpose in that not being in our life. He has equipped us for every good work that he prepared for us in advance. He's equipped us for things, and we can get lost focusing on all the things we can't do and miss the one thing that he made us to do. Can I invite you to stop focusing on what you cannot do 
and become like that chunky little boy and live in freedom? Live in the freedom of, yeah, there's boundaries, but the complete freedom and joy of opportunity to be used for God's purposes, to grow and be healthy and be blessed, to to grow into an identity that is completely rooted in God so that when your body does break down and life does get hard or even good times come, no matter what the outward things going on or, you know, the world around us, we find ourselves at peace with him. It's not focused on what we can't do. We're not worried about what holds us back. We're completely transfixed on the fact that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control are growing out of us in such abundance that against those things, as Paul said, there is no law. You are free to live. Look, my friends, at what you can do. Look at what you can do. God has called you. He has equipped you. He's given you his word and his spirit. The question is, do you trust him? And will you focus your life on his purposes for you and experience the fullness of grace coming out of you? Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your church. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of the equipping you did in our life. Thank you, God, that today we got to hear that I am not enough, that I can't do it, and I'll never be able to. But you are, and you have called, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and you will give us rest. That is our our desire today, that we would come to you. Lord, we are tired. We are burned out on religion and worn out. And we want to come to you and get away with you and live in the unforced rhythms of grace. Grow out of us the fruit of the Spirit that we can see your hand at work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had the dream, maybe it was probably a daydream, that you, were, you could be a kid again? You didn't worry what was for dinner. You just knew it was gonna be there that you didn't worry about all the things of this life you could just, you could enjoy. And, and like your mom saying, hey, you can go out and you can play for two hours. This is when dinner's ready. You can go see your friends. And you're like, really? I have two whole hours to do whatever I want? Yeah, yeah. As long as it's not like video games. Uh, you, can go, you can go play football with your friends, go play in the yard, whatever. And you're like, yes. And you take off because you're so excited. And you go looking for people with whom to be free. Right, you wanna go hang out with them and maybe one of your friends is like, yeah, come in, let's play Xbox. I can't play Xbox, do you wanna play in the yard? And you end up like building a fort or doing something and uh, maybe dinner's a little late that night and your mom finally comes out and she's like, you know, come home and you're like, oh, and you run home and it's like you've been two and a half hours, you're all sweaty and you're so excited and you're at the dinner table and, like, and then we built a fort and we did all this stuff, it was amazing and the next day you try to go back and recreate it but the magic's not there, the spontaneity's not there and you're like, oh. And it was such a great time and you forgot that you were just daydreaming for a moment that you could be that way again. And you're a grown up with all these responsibilities, all these dreams, all these pressures. Go back with me into the scripture. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Get away with me. Come to me. Get away with me. Come to me. I will show you 
how to get your life back, right? I will show you how to do it. Walk with me, Jesus said. Work with me. There are, there's work to do. Walk with me. Work with me. And then here's the kicker. See how I do it. Jesus had a wonderful spontaneity to him. He had, you know, he'd do these huge miracles and then send the disciples off and just go up on a mountain alone to be with the Lord. He would teach and, you know, he just had this, this flow that didn't seem structured all the time and hard-lined, do this, don't do that. No, come to me, get away with me, see how I do it. That's what I'm inviting you to, to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and see how he does it. It's not a burden that's heavy or ill-fitting. It's actually like putting on a tailor-made suit that fits perfectly. Why? Because he made you. He formed you. And he has a plan if you will trust him. And that plan calls you not to live by the rigid boundaries of do and don't, do not. It's called to live freely, lightly, purposefully, walking with the one who died to save us from our sin and called us to be remade into his image and gave us his spirit to do so. Friends, go and live that childhood dream of being a person with childlike faith that anything is possible, anything is possible if we walk with and trust the one who made us. Go in peace as you go from this place. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may the peace of Christ and the grace of God be yours in this week.